So like Meta would be like, do, 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 do. And Mesa would be like, do. Not really. Like, <laughs> We're going to make that our new intro <laughs> music for, uh, for the podcast. <laughs> Today we're talking about NFJs and we're talking to an NFJ. Last episode, we talked about Einstein, did a, kind of a little case study about him. And now we have another interview episode and we're interviewing an NFJ. As a real quick recap, uh, NFJs and physiotype uh, nomenclature are MESA universal supiners. So uh, MESA meta, MESAs are cool, they're analog, uh, spectrumal people, as opposed to digital techno people who like to define things all the time. Uh, <laughs> universal, big picture, type versus token, comfortable with abstraction. Supiner, um, not necessarily super disagreeable. Um, yeah, pretty much just think of the big five, disagreeable, agreeable. We've talked about all this before, but just to give the listener kind of a real quick, real quick uh, punch in the brain to help them remember uh, how we think about NFJs. Alex. Hello. <laughs> Levi, how are you doing? Oh, hello. I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor for you to to get it, to talk to me. It is. <laughs> yep. So this is our this is our NFJ here today, Levi. Um the interview with him will go a lot like a uh, interview we did with um our SFJ and SFP interviews. We'll ask some mundane questions um and some you know really philosophical quest philosophical questions and that's not uh, fair to the mundane questions uh, <laughs> they um, don't have to be mundane we'll try to make them not whatever mundane. you some non-philosophical yeah. questions and some philosophical <laughs> questions and right this is an anecdote right um physiotype isn't super uh predictive of individuals behavior but it is nice because it is nice to interview a single person because physiotype is fairly predictive of just general thought process and pattern, even if it's not indicative of behavior. So I think anecdotes have their place and it's nice to do a little interview with a particular person like this. Um, before we like get into like personal questions, uh, Levi, like how much would you say you know about physiotype? How much do you understand? Like I know you've been around, you've been around on and off since the start. But how would you rate your knowledge? Yeah. I guess is what I'm asking. Um, zero. I know pretty much nothing. No, uh, I know that can't be true. You uh. Well, I've I've I'm aware that it exists. Um, like physiotype. I. It's not called. Is this face reading? It's not called face reading anymore. Right. Okay. Yes. It's same thing. <laughs> different name. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot, actually. I mean, and he hasn't like bought into it like other people have, you know, like, uh, Kinsey, the SFJ we interviewed, she's like bought into it, you know, um, mm. loves it. Levi's, he's not like, you know, against it or anything, but he's not like some acolyte or something. He's, he's, uh, respectfully, yeah. uh, skeptical. I have, yeah, a healthy amount of skepticism, yeah. I think, as my default. I mean, do you know anything about like MBTI, any personality type stuff yeah. before? Yeah. Like it was a big, you know, kind of fad when I was like teenager or so. And so 
yeah, we all had, I think uh, a bunch of my friends had the book, Please Understand Me, Please Understand Me Too. And, oh, okay. And, okay. You know, we would all, we would have typing parties and take the test and, yeah. you know, talk about it. So yeah, it was, it was a big deal for um, a lot of people I knew, but also I, you know, was interested in it. That's funny. It, Please Understand Me Too is, uh, is the book that got me into all of this, actually. Uh, you can thank David Kearsey for all this nonsense. Uh, do you remember what you typed as in back in the day during in those typing? Yeah, times? originally, again, this is like a long time ago, but um, I think it was an INTJ when I assessed myself based on how I answered the questions. Okay, okay, <laughs> and I think that that's a pretty like natural test result to get being an nfj that that's also a guy like guys typically test st and levi's in- inquisitive and smart so if you're like inquisitive and smart you're probably going to end up testing st whether you're f or not it's just because yeah the test is kind of weird that way it's, it's it's not yeah yeah and it, it was interesting um at the time i'll just like briefly tell a quick anecdote about mbti for me because when i was able to go to to china later on i had a good friend um I think her name was Lindsay and she she had been really into it but she told me this story um where she she was so much into the the quote-unquote science behind it and she would make every everyone read the book and test them um she ended up having this one like kind of boyfriend that she uh, actually broke up with uh for no other reason other than because the the book you know somewhere towards the back when it talks about how you match up with different sites oh no um that was the that was the major factor and she wasn't really sure if it was a good match and she just had this thing in the back of her head because the mbti book kind of told her it probably wasn't a great match oh no Um, so she still cites that to this day (laughs) so she told you know that's what she told me later it's like yeah i think he was the one but i just like couldn't really couldn't get myself i feel like she wouldn't have broken up with him if I mean, it's better to break up with someone. Yeah. With, well, I don't know. It's better. <laughs> it's sad either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm just saying that that's, that's how she interpreted it to me later. Right. But she, she now sees that as a mistake that she made when she was younger because, uh, in anyways, that's how, that's how much she was into that's it. Crazy. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to anyone listening out there. <laughs> If you ever hear us say such and such type doesn't work well together, d- don't listen to us. Just just go with your gut. Like, <laughs> don't break with any, don't break up with anyone because of this. Well, it's I wouldn't say I would say it's not. I would I wouldn't say it's not true. It's just that it can be a very small variable, and like there's always going to be problems in any yeah. relationship. And I think physiotype right. if physio if you're like diametrically opposed in physiotype, well, that's just like one weak variable. Like it's not enough to. Ch- it's 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 rare. It's very rarely enough to. It's really it's very rarely strong enough of a signal that you should change your actions in a relationship because of it. It's like there's other things yeah. going on that matter more. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's pretty extreme. I thought mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, since then, uh, I, yeah, kind of take take it with a bigger grain of salt. Not because of that, but just at, like for me myself, growing up and just kind of seeing how people are. Uh, more complicated than I thought they were, you know, when I was younger. And mm-hmm. people's motives are harder to um, to assume 
than I used to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking for myself, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. I uh, that's a crazy story, man. I I would not want to be in her <laughs> <Yeah>. shoes. <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah. I think growing up, well, Levi's my brother. I'm not sure we said that, and for oh yeah, for that one reason um. I'll try and have Alex lead this interview more. Just, I think it'll be more productive if you have someone who's not your brother. Oh, questions. less conflict of interest, huh? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Something um, like that. I think we grew up doing snap judgments too much. I think um, our household was kind of overly yeah. cynical. We would type people as chads and, or people we didn't like, you know, like it was just um, chad, meaning like we would, yeah, 80% we would judge, oh, that guy's a douche, was... you know, whatever. And it's like, that's not right. Um, Sometimes you can guess what someone's going to be like, but uh, yeah. And I saw that in you too, because you were just like, you know, you were just as bad as everyone else. But, uh, at, you know, assuming people's <laughs> motives when you were very young uh, and yeah. now you, you're very, uh, you're very reasonable when you judge people. So I think that's a good thing. Yay. For sure. Growing up in our, at least, I don't know, whatever the environment or the upbringing. Yeah, it was... I th- yeah, I think that goes across the board for probably the whole family, or at least for our siblings. Critical pseudo intellectualism. <laughs> yeah, Just all trying yeah, to struggle against it every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've since like I guess that's what I'm. If I have a point, is that um, that's why I take all of this with a grain of salt because I think for someone like me, uh, it was easy. It was. It wasn't helpful for me to try to judge people more. I actually needed to try to get away from that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Last thing you need is a tool to let you judge people based on their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even more. So, um, yeah, anyways, that's that's kind of my own personal journey and my relationship with uh, MBTI in general. Okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So... Now, now that we've gotten like the uh, the introductions out of the way, um, I figure we'll go ahead and ask the quote unquote mundane questions now. Um, Levi, what do you do, <clears throat> like for work? Uh, I do. What is your profession? Uh, that's so boring. Question. Um, no, it's it's SEO essentially. SEO. SEO, SEO, like a like a search engine stuff. Yeah. Okay. I, I basically, I had been traveling, you know, around when I was earlier, and I had been trying to f- find some uh, industry of work that I could take with me and and travel. So, um, yeah, I started with online marketing, actually, with Colby a little bit on some projects that he helped me out with. Okay. Or that I helped him out with. <laughs> nice. That's interesting. Uh, How do you like it? Like, yeah. Do you feel like SEO is like your dream job? Like, um, no, I mean it's interesting, but it's definitely not my dream job. Um, I think marketing is, in general, is interesting, especially like the psychology behind um, marketing. But that's not what I do at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like data entry. So, uh, yeah, it's not my favorite industry, but I, I like that it gives me the flexibility. Um, because I had a hard time just having a normal full-time job in my past, like doing whatever construction and other things I've, I've had. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was difficult for me. I noticed, 
just I don't know I don't know if it was the rigidity or it just it just felt like uh, I had no life whatsoever and it was so this this frees me up a little bit more I feel like I have more freedom and I can set my own hours oh okay. that must be a, that it sense. must be a genetic thing having a hard time working a nine to five because I have the same <laughs> yeah, problem like um but you know what really helped me was just like doing tons of drugs like uppers downers <laughs> whatever you need to not kill yourself and if you just get the right balance um you can survive for years working a nine to five <laughs> yeah is that true yeah I, I guess i just didn't find the right balance um i don't i don't know why exactly but i don't know if that has anything to do with my type but like Colby said, it's just, just like in the morning, just yeah, felt- cocaine, Adderall, coffee, nicotine, just go crazy, whatever. And then you're going to be so hyped. Everything. It's going to be hard to sleep, right? Oh, nope. Because you have like all these other things like sleeping pills, uh, THC, uh, hitting yourself in the head really hard. You know, like you can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's the idea behind it. Like, just shove an, enough coffee down your throat in the morning and drink enough at night and then you can fall asleep so if if you had to choose like your perfect job with the perfect schedule right so you could have whatever schedule you wanted with this job uh what job would you pick would it be marketing no um yeah i don't know i I like i guess i've thought about this a little bit like something like working with the like forest service or something like that like park ranger it's not not as far as the schedule but like as far as the actual work uh-huh. like just something where where i'm outside okay okay you you big into like hiking yeah yeah like outdoor stuff okay interesting very yeah. interesting okay that makes sense um i guess that kind of segues into hobbies i i take it hiking would be a hobby you would list uh what else do you yeah. do as for fun on the side yeah, like along with hiking, I like to run. I like trail running specifically. Not so much like on the asphalt. Um, that gets kind of boring to me actually, but um, trail running is a big one. I, I really like that. I'm trying to get into that now that I'm in a new place, but I used to do it more in California. Mm-hmm. Why Why? Why do you think you like trail trail running or running in general? What about it? Is it that? It just feels like you're you're in nature as opposed to kind of just running so boring running nature. on the road like when oh, you're trail fun. running you're constantly really... trying not to trip and you're enjoying the beautiful <clears throat> trees and sceneries and hopping over roots and stuff mm-hmm. it's also easier yeah, on the knees the actual yeah the activity is a little more technical so you have to pay more attention to what you're doing where where i hear other people talk about like just zoning out like putting in ear ear pods and uh you know, listening to something and just running down the road mm-hmm. on, you know, straight, straight asphalt. That's really boring to me. Um, I, I just would much rather be in nature. And kind of Okay. So, looking at so you don't like zoning out when you're running? Um, yeah, not when I'm running. Cause yeah, yeah, I guess okay. not. Is, is there any context which yeah. you do like zoning out? I guess zoning out isn't like the most pretty word for it, but like, Hmm. Yeah. You know, getting no, in the sure. zone, I guess, makes it sound better. Um. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, bes- besides running, 
Um, I like just if I have some piece of nature around me, just, you know, sitting still for a few minutes and trying to stop the overactive ruminating mind for a few minutes. And, you know, just to make sure that feels we're all talking about the same thing. I think zoning out and being in the zone could be diametrically opposed depending on your. Uh... Yeah. So I think when we're ta- this is a, this is a great thing to talk about, but we should uh, define our terms a little better because just knowing both of you, I feel like there might be some miscommunication. Possibly. <laughs> we should talk about both. Actually, yeah. now that you bring that yeah, up, I yeah. think you're right. We should talk about both. Well, so, okay. Zoning in the zone, being super focused on whatever it is you're doing. Do you enjoy that experience? Uh, uh yeah. Being super. Yeah. So that sounds like, um, what's that term flow. Oh, I forget flow. Yeah. Um, I feel that like if I'm playing music or uh, maybe like uh, an action video game like I used to play, uh, that feels like being in the zone. Okay. But yeah, no, I'm not, I guess I'm not really sure. Okay. What um, about the opposite, uh, zoning out? So just kind of thinking about nothing that's relevant to whatever it is you're doing at that moment. I'm yeah. Could you explain what that means a little bit more? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, help me out, Colby. When you say zoning, zoning out, not thinking about whatever it is you're doing. Um, mm, how comfortable are you? I don't know. In your head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, I'll give an example. All right. Like, let's say I am. I am mopping the floor, right? I'm mopping the floor. Yeah. But the entire time I'm mopping, I am thinking about everything that has nothing to do with mopping. I am not putting a single thought into mopping. I'm thinking about the garden outside. I'm thinking about whether or not Einstein was a nice person. I'm thinking about whether or not the podcast has enough subscribers. I'm thinking about everything other than mopping. How often does that happen to you? Yeah. Oh, I think, I think that's universal uh, with, with everyone mm-hmm. um, from, from what my observations are. But um, I probably do it as much as anyone else. But um, I find it's helpful for me if I can consciously try to stop doing that. Okay, so, so, so you, you, try I, to, you try to limit it if, if you can help it. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I think overall, like long term, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of my... Mm-hmm feeling about it yeah that makes sense so yeah well, like take something super mundane like brushing your teeth or, or something like that and yeah and just trying to be with whatever you're doing at the moment mm-hmm. um kind of the idea of doing one thing at a time right um is is what i try to do i don't know if that's like my that's probably not my inclination necessarily one of, one of my favorite uh people i listen to who is kind of a pro meditator and very good at mindfulness and meditation and advocates it. Um, he kind of like had this nice spiel um, where he's talking about like <clears throat> people who do this, which is pretty much all of us, but some you do it more than others and we all need to work on not doing it where you're just like, you're not paying attention to what you're doing at the present moment. Um, when you go out with friends to eat, you're thinking about other stuff or you're on your phone or you're just not thinking about what you're doing. You're completely in this abstract world doing whatever you want while you're eating with friends, while you're at the park with friends. 
And he says, it doesn't really matter where you are, because no matter what you're doing or where you are, you're really in the same place. You're just in your head. And, you know, he's advocating against that with like mindfulness and meditative techniques. And I think that's a good way to view it is, yeah, like it's if you're not paying attention to the present moment, it doesn't matter what you're doing because you're spending all your time in your head anyways. And so it sounds like Mm -hmm. you acknowledge that that's a problem, Levi, and that you you don't you know, you fight against it a little bit. Is that yeah. true? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not not because it's easier for me than other types, but it's probably just something I've learned for me that it, it's it's helpful if I can just kind of slow down some of the activity, at least mm-hmm. for parts of the day. Just, yeah, be be more present with whatever I'm doing, whether it's being outside in nature on a run or something really mundane like mopping the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so it's not easier for me, but yeah, I, I try, I try to do that. Right. That's interesting. I, I, it seems like this is, this is, um, what's the word? I don't want to say issue because I don't think it's an issue with every universal type, but it seems like universal types, you know, N types do end up experiencing this, this, uh, zoning out, not thinking about what you're doing, thinking about literally anything else um more often and i agree completely that there's a there is a point where it's unhealthy and there's a point where you know people express that it's exhausting so it's good that you're being self-aware enough to recognize that this might not be the best thing for you and that you're actively putting some effort against it yeah yeah like the the constant you know whatever you want to call it rumination or hyperactivity of of the mind Mm -hmm. um that's not relevant to to what you're doing at the moment. I think I think that's that's kind of my default. I tend to do that too much. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's studies where they can correlate hyperactivity in certain regions of the brain with anxiety and depression. That's it's very, you know, it's kind of well understood now. Right, right, right. Uh, Colby, do you want to did 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 we do a big five for Levi? Did we want to go over big five stuff with him? Do you have it handy on your phone? I know you've done it once, Levi. Um, big five. Um, let me look in the drive, see if I saved. I have done it once. Let me see if I saved your results. Um, I found your big five results. Oh, good. Okay, so are we switching to this now? Want me to uh, g- give Yeah, let's a... switch over to big five. All right, audience. Are you ready for Levi's big five results? Oh, boy, I can't wait. Why don't you, you do a little <laughs> quiz? I, I mean, why don't you do that little do-do-do-do, Alex? And uh, All right. no, you don't have. I'll, I'll put it in right here. Up, up to you. Okay. <laughs> His results are. Um, don't forget to inverse neuroticism. Yes, sir. Extroversion is twenty-two, so pretty darn introverted. Yes. This is on, remember, this is on mm-hmm. scale of one to a hundred. That means that eighty-eight percent of people are more extroverted than Levi. That's how this works. So, inter- extroversion mm-hmm. is twenty-two, so he's pretty darn introverted. That's quite introverted. Emotional stability. Um, 84. Not bad, Levi. Good job. So, sorry, that's neuroticism. Yeah, right. That's a 16 on neuroticism. You're pretty darn emotionally healthy, apparently. Oh. Um, yeah, could have fooled me. So, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that makes sense. Um, agreeableness, 51. Mm. So, right in the middle of the road, half of people are more agreeable than you, half of people are less agreeable. I, I don't know, it seems... Makes sense. I, I agree with that. <laughs> he agrees with this statement 50% of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
conscientiousness, 36. So apparently hmm. you're a gosh darn slob. No. Um, <laughs> conscientiousness is just like, yeah. yeah, it's what it sounds like. All these are self-descriptive. Um, my conscientiousness hmm. isn't great. I don't think either. I forget. It's like 50 or something like that. I probably... <laughs> I probably rated I, myself too high too. <laughs> probably was. If you recall, it gave me a conscientiousness score of one. So, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> You're doing better. You're doing better than me. <laughs> okay. Um, and the last one, openness. You scored ninety-one. That's great. So you're you're uh, more open than ninety-one percent of people. All right. So, I guess let's break these down. Extroversion, twenty-two out of a hundred. Do you agree with that, Levi? Um, from as well as I understand that metric, that seems, yeah, roughly right. Okay. Okay. For most settings. Yeah. And then, uh, neurotic, neuroticism, mm. uh, you scored 14. So that means you're not very neurotic. Neurotic would mean just like propensity to experience negative emotions, anxiety, stress, anger, sadness, getting upset easily. Do you feel like you're a pretty yeah. emotionally stable person? You don't like sw- mood swings or anything? Yeah. Yeah, according to that definition there, yeah, I don't have mood swings like that generally. Okay. And, and then agreeableness, 51. Does that seem right? You're about mid middle road. You're not like super disagreeable, not super agreeable. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I don't know if that pushes me over to... <laughs> oh, wait, it just, 52%. It, it just went up to 52. Weird. <laughs> it just, just went up. <laughs> well, I don't agree with that. Oh, it's back down. <laughs> Um, perfect and then conscientiousness 36 so not super low but you know fairly low most people are more conscientious than you do you agree with that are you like forgetful maybe like i don't know just like con yeah how conscientious are you that people usually relate conscientiousness to like being clean or not but it's not just that like it's like Hmm. colby saying like how forgetful you are how likely are you to uh be how vigilant how vigilant, vigilant are you about the activities you're performing, kind of? Mm-hmm. Uh, vigilant about the... Yeah, I guess I'm not 100% clear on that. Um, uh, conscientiousness. I feel like socially I'm like hyper-conscientious, but maybe that's not what that means. I okay, think it's, that's... Um, I, I think it's both. So I would agree that... Um, I shouldn't be doing this <laughs> leading questions, but yeah, I would agree Levi is super socially conscientious. So, like, Levi's always hyper aware of, like, if he's saying the right thing and not offending people and being, um, you know, proper and having manners. Yeah. But then, like, other things, he's, I would agree that he's not conscientious. So, I think it's just, like, you're yeah. very socially conscientious. But I think physically, I can understand why you wouldn't be super conscientious. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that might, might be the case. This kind of, this kind of goes back to I think a conversation you and I were having, Colby, of like, like the Big Five is good for our purposes, but there's definitely arguments to be made for splitting some of these into subcategories. I think um, that would be a good one to split: is socially conscientious versus like everything else. I'm not sure what you'd call it. Maybe like mm-hmm. physically conscientious or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like environmentally conscientious, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm the opposite way. Like I feel like I'm fairly physically conscientious, but not super socially conscientious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right and i'm just neither <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't see how that's the case um okay and then openness you scored a 91 so do you think that's does that sound right 
So like open to new experience, open to new ideas, open to uh, changing your mind about things, stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. So what does that put me as like that big five test as far as the... That is both the beauty and the sadness of big five is that's it. It's done. No okay. fancy explanations afterwards. So, well, but he's saying for <laughs> how does it track with MBTI? So, yeah, does that translate somehow? So, in type? NFJ, they should be NFJ should be low in environmental, quote unquote, conscientiousness, and very high in social conscientiousness. I mean, I would agree. Yeah, hmm. and NFJ um, is neuroticism opens... doesn't really track one way or the other. No. Uh, I would say NFJs yeah. are less likely to be open than than uh than average. But you know, we're talking about individuals here again, so Yeah. That's yeah. the beauty of anecdotes. And I think NFJs often feel very I think introversion would be I think they commonly rank low on introversion or commonly rank low on extroversion. Yeah. Even like ENFJs, yeah. you know, yeah. I think they're going to uh score low on extroversion. E- like ENFJs are like the some of the least extroverted extroverts and INFJs are probably some of the most extroverted introverts. Like they mm. both kind of score oh. like they both have FE, but they both have NI and NI. I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but I, I could see both of them ranking towards yeah. the middle because of that. I agree. How likely are you to like oh. correct someone that you know is wrong about something? Ah, it depends on the setting. If it's like one-on-one as opposed to a group. Let's say like small group setting, you know them okay-ish, but they're not like family or anything. Then no, I won't correct them. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I'll usually, I often, often disagree, maybe even strongly with little things people are saying, but uh, if I do, I don't say anything. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. You, in, a, in a group setting, right, right. at least. Yeah. If it's the same person, but one-on-one, do you think you'd disagree? Or do you think it has to be someone close if to If I know home? them well. Okay. If if it's someone close to me, then I'll feel comfortable. Okay. Makes sense. Makes doing sense. Doing that more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not like a stranger or something, uh, but yeah. someone you, you're close with, you would. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confrontational. I'm very unconfrontational, actually. I see. Not that disagreeing is confrontational necessarily but if i do do it uh you know i'll do it in a non-argumentative way usually. and regardless yeah. of whether you would say or do anything how easy are you to convince of things can someone convince you of something easily it's kind of a loaded question but i guess uh, do with what, yeah. what you will average or answer <laughs> would you a different say question that, that's similar yeah would you say that compared to other people you are easier to convince or harder to convince? Like, would you consider other people more uh, skeptical than you or more... Uh, gullible. What's the word? Are, gullible. Oh, here's... Well, let's just view it this way. Are people on average mm-hmm. too skeptical or on average too gullible? I don't... Or whatever. Sorry, I don't mean to hijack your question, Alex. No. Yeah. That's good. Hmm. This is hard because... Um, I mean, I could go... Give com- two completely different answers depending on the context would you would you want to just give both uh, would that make it easier uh okay so ask, ask that question again are people on average too gullible or too hard to convince 
Um, I, I think a lot of people are very skeptical and should be more open. But then with other things, I think people are too open. Uh, yeah, I, th I think I would need a really specific example, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of the road there. Okay. Okay. With, um, what is, what, what metric are we talking about now? This is agreeableness or, uh, yeah, yeah. This is technically agreeableness. Yeah. So, um, yeah. What? Okay. Yeah, I don't what, know. what is, what is something that you feel like people are too open with? Too easily swayed. Um, uh, well, by society, I think people are easily swayed by you know other people around them, whether it's their community or uh, the sort of people around them in general. I see. I see. Uh, you know, people are very impressionable by by other people, and there's I, you know, I think people would be better off using more critical thinking and kind of figuring out things for themselves. Uh, so in that way, I, I think I'm less, you know, uh, convincible than other people mm -hmm. as far as like social norms or you know, different things like that. Right. Oh, what would be an example of like a context where you feel like you're more open than other people? Um, I'm open to new ideas. Um, like I, at least now I don't, uh, a lot of people, you know, um, kind of create their identity around a particular belief mm -hmm. system. Um, and I don't think I do that as much right now. So I'm more open to other ideas, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, if that, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting you say that. Uh, Colby, would you agree that that's pretty meta-social? to not base to not base your your identity around belief systems yes <laughs> no <laughs> i had to think about it and i definitely agree yeah sorry i couldn't give a more straightforward answer no i in a way it's <laughs> I, I it's better for us to just hear you give a justification than to just give a yes or no answer because it mm. actually lets us understand what you're trying to say as opposed to just what you're saying uh pet peeves any pet peeves Anything that you're just not a fan of? I'm sure there are. You mean social pet peeves? Like yeah, let's start with social pet people... peeves. Um, hmm. Uh, being interrupted. Okay. Like, like it's that's difficult for me if I'm talking and then that that happens often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get interrupted, do you find it hard to get your your train of thought back? Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So it's, <clears throat> I'll get you know kind of thrown off track from my <laughs> thought process pretty easily sometimes. Because <laughs> um, I don't. Because I'll be the opposite. I I don't want to interrupt anyone else. So it's so then that'll make it hard for a two way conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. It's not so much, I don't know if it's a pet peeve necessarily, but it just, it's makes things tiring for me a little bit more exhausting. Mm -hmm. If I'm around someone who's kind of talking nonstop. Well, talking nonstop or interrupting? Yeah, th yeah, those could be two different things. So, um, someone more interrupting, someone that, uh, will just kind of keep, keep going and 
if I if I'm in a setting where it's harder for me to get uh, to express myself, then I'll tend to just sort of give up usually. So <laughs> instead of instead of loudly try to talk over the other person, right? So that makes it difficult for me to actually have an actual like two-way conversation and, and that sort of setting. So it's not just about interrupting. It's like if someone's dominating a conversation, you feel like, like even if they're not interrupting, like they're, but they're just the one who's doing like 90% of the talking. Um, yeah, I guess I suppose so. Uh, with certain things, I'm, I'm totally content with that. But if I feel that when I do have some input, if it's really hard for me to get that in there, then, um, well, because it's too hard, like I just won't, won't do it. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Um, especially like, especially if it costs a lot for you to bring your train of thought back, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's indicative of something. I don't know what it's indicative maybe, of. But. Yeah. Maybe it's more like it, I'll have a thought that I can bring back, but it's hard for me. Maybe I'm thinking too hard about how to put it, put it into words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, once I do have that thought translated into words, if it's not able to get out, then I kind of, you know, have to start all over again. Right, 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 right. So, yeah, that might be part of it. Okay, okay. It's not being good at articulating my own self. Um, We have some questions that we haven't asked other interviewers, but we'd like to, um, what's the word, experiment here. And then if they sound good, we'll keep them. If they don't sound good, we won't. Here's... An interesting question that I really wish we had asked our other interviewees was, does objective truth exist? What do you think about that? Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a really big. I know. We went from like super concrete to like the most philosophically abstract. Yeah. You don't even have to (laughs) answer the question. We're fine if you just talk about it. Even if you, if you don't feel comfortable giving yes or no, just, you know. Yeah, there. even yeah. if you're not sure, even if you're not sure, listening to your thoughts on it, I think okay. would be very telling Ab- them themselves. So. Ab- did you say does abstract truth exist? Was does that how objective you it? truth exist? Is there one? Oh, is there? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Does a real truth really exist? Yeah, it's an interesting question and one that that I think is like super important to me personally, because um, I think. Depending on your answer to that question, the way you live your life um, would be very different. You know, someone who says yes versus someone who says no. Um, so I forget there is some some. It wasn't really typing sort of activity, but you had a um, like a series of cards. It was like fifty cards or something like that, and each one was a certain value. And I remember not playing this game, but kind of doing this, you would go through and put out all the cards and they were all different values. Like one was harmony, beauty, patience, love, whatever, all these different values. And it make it, it has you um, clear half of them away, you know, pick the half that's most important to you. And then, okay, now clear half of those away. So you're left with 10. Okay. Now you're left with five. And then three, and then finally one. So you have to choose like the value that it's very difficult once you get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did end up picking truth at the end <laughs> each time. Oh, that's fitting. So, so truth was the one value that was kind of kept coming out for whatever reason. So 
yeah, I do think I do think um, objective truth exists. Okay, what, what do you think people are coming from when they say the opposite—that there is no objective truth? Uh, what do you think is going well, on in their heads? Um, it's sort of a loaded idea. I mean, there's a lot of there's a certain amount of like responsibility that comes with believing that there is such a thing as subjective truth, because um, if there is, then that means then you have to somehow align yourself with it or against it. Whereas that's, I think that's uncomfortable for most people. So it's, it's easier to kind of create your own truth. That's just subjective to yourself. I think is, is an easier way for people to kind of go about their, their lives. Yeah. Cause if there is an objective truth, then you have to kind of figure out what it is. And then that either means that some people are right and some people are wrong. And, or you're right and you're wrong. And that's, I think that's uncomfortable for, for a lot of people. Right. Dealing with the idea that they could be wrong or dealing with the yeah. idea that they have to change their mind about something. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Be- that makes sense. Believing in objective truth can make your psyche more fragile because then you can be wrong, but it's better for society. If we assume that there is objective truth, because then we can do things like build rockets <laughs> right <laughs> yeah of course math is an easy objective truth yeah but and until until it isn't yeah you hear justifications for anything <laughs> yeah, you can't even yeah. say that anymore <laughs> okay i like oh, that answer that's a good yeah. answer um i'd say that that's the best answer to this question we've had yet it's also the oh, only good. answer to this question we've had yet but so, so it's the worst answer as well. <laughs> yes. We won't worry about that. We won't worry about that part. <laughs> okay, very good. I like that. I like that. Um, all right, here's another one. And, and sorry that I'm not being like super flowy with these questions. Uh, this is kind of tying back to something we said before. But can you think of something off the top of your head that was an idea you had, but you changed your mind about afterwards? I know at least yeah. for me, that's like a hard question to remember the answer to. Like maybe, probably, but I can't think of an example. So oh, I definitely you... have. Um, but thinking of a specific example is... He, he kind well, of already mentioned an example um, in the beginning of the episode. What's that? The way you used to judge people. You used to be more judgmental, you said. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that came to mind. Um, because definitely I've done that with, with other human beings. Um, had an opinion about them. And then have changed, mm-hmm. but that that applies to um, even people I've known for a longer time as well. Mm-hmm. That maybe I had certain judgmental assumptions about their motives or whatever, or where they're where they were coming from. Um, that I think I've realized were were wrong. <laughs> right, right. Like I was kind of completely misreading, you know, people. Mm-hmm. In in certain areas, when you do um, change your mind, do you? I don't know how to word this well, but do you find it taxing to change your mind in in, in these contexts? For example, like do you, do you like? Is it a struggle to do it? Is it like you objectively see it, but then you have to like actually work at feeling the changing of your mind? I don't know if that um, makes sense. Tell me if it doesn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was a struggle. No, like once, once I kind of, I mean, being being wrong about something, I think just that feeling is naturally uncomfortable 
mm-hmm. um, for for everyone, I think, to some degree. Mm-hmm. But I mean, once I kind of come up against that and kind of accept it, then then no, it's not difficult after that for me. It's not tiring. Okay. I ask because I like I change my mind about stuff a lot personally. But if it's hmm. something I feel strongly about, even after like I objectively recognize that I'm wrong about it, it definitely it takes a while for me to feel like mm. I recognize that I was wrong about something, if that makes sense. So I was curious yeah. to see if you had a similar experience or not. And it seems like we have opposing experiences, which could be indicative. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think like, at least right now, I'm pretty um, good at changing my mind when I when I feel like I need to. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not rigidly stuck in any one, you know, belief system or philosophy or idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is helpful for me. It makes things easier. <laughs> yes. I threw in a couple questions here just about some topics I know you're interested in, Levi. But um, I don't know, Alex, up to you whether we should do those at all or <clears throat> leave them for the end. Um, oh, I I didn't catch. What is DMN? <laughs> <laughs> Default mode is that network, a street drug? obviously. Ah, yes. I now completely understand. <laughs> these, were, yeah. these were half jokes. <laughs> <laughs> no so you're so we already talked about levi how you're concerned with uh your mental health and you exercise that concern by making sure that you enjoy life and uh don't constantly be zoning out basically um and this is basic. there's other words for this but you know you can call it mindfulness meditation whatever you're paying attention to the way you think yeah. and you're trying to um, harness your attention to do something specific. You're, what, what we can control is our attention and you're aware of that. And it's just a hobby of yours, I would say, right? Mm. You, you're interested in that, those subjects. Yeah, right? that's a great, great way to put it. Yeah. Um, that you're just thinking more consciously instead of letting, letting you know, the mind wander and ruminate. Because, I mean, that is something I have noticed for me personally is um, that that's generally uh, a negative activity when, you know, when my mind does that, whether it's while I'm trying to accomplish a, a task or do work or just lying in bed, um, that my mental activity will be useless and, you know, harmful in, in some cases. Where do you think you would be right now if you didn't practice this stuff? Oh, um, like, obviously you think you're, you're doing the better for it, but like how much better would you say if you had to guess? Yeah. It's probably a hard question to ask. I don't really know. I think, um, well, I know like looking back at like week by week when I'm, um, a little bit more unconscious when I'm just kind of worrying too much and thinking too much looking back, um, you know, there's, there's a direct correlation with, with how my well-being is, with how good I feel, um, in general. So it definitely, it definitely makes a difference, but it's, it's something I have to continually, uh, being quote unquote mindful of, you know, that I'm just being, being more aware of, of habitual negative thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really common, um, for just people in general. Mm. depending on what what's going on with them in their lives um 
So yeah, it's definitely helpful for me. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying the episode so far and enjoying the interview. Uh, we'd just like to take a moment to thank all of our Patreoners. Uh, thank you guys. We'll keep today short and sweet. Thank you to all our Patreoners. If you are interested in joining our Patreon, the link's down below. Yeah, thanks guys. There's tons of perks. We won't boggle you down with them today. Uh, but yeah, check it out. You'll see the perks for yourself. All right, let's keep listening. You might have heard this question before already, uh, but we'll ask it anyways. If you had to choose between these two statements, one uh, being true, which one would you agree with more? Um, everything is connected, yet it is all unique. As statement number one. And everything is distinct, yet all of it is the same. Statement number two. Oh, that's interesting. I, I haven't heard that before. Um, could you say them both again together? So first one. Everything is connected, but it's all unique. Mm -hmm. So everything is connected, yet everything is unique. Or nothing is connected, everything is distinct, yet it is all the same. Hmm. Or all made of the uh, same thing, maybe. Sounds like... I guess the first one sounds more true to me. Okay. Oh, Maybe... I don't know if this would help or hurt, but what if I were just to ask you... Is, do you think everything is connected, or do you think nothing's connected? Which one of those two uh, feels more true to you? Connected. That's. I mean, that's a. This is a big question. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, that's purposefully vague. I assume. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't like hearing myself pronounce that phrase. Everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Uh, as much, but uh, uh, you know, in a way, I think. <laughs> I think I would agree with that. Um, uh, depending on how how we mean connected, but okay. yeah, in some in some version of that uh, philosophy, okay. I think is now could have some truth to it. What about between everything is unique and nothing is unique? Um, yeah, every, everything is unique. Okay, okay. So the first statement, cool. It's a meta question, basically. And we'll talk more about meta in one question from now in a more broad way. I can tee this one up. If, yeah, go for it. I have terrible timing. Sorry. Just always <laughs> interrupting everyone. Um, Are you who Levi was talking about in his pet peeves? Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. No. So um, basically, we want to ask you about universal versus local preferences. So we'll describe them real quick and we can kind of like talk about them as you're talking as well. But basically it's um, uh, universal means that it's abstract generally. And it also means that like it applies to everything. So like a category would be universal to a thing in the category or the concept of a bike would be universal to any given bike. Um, mm -hmm. abstract thought in general is universal because it doesn't exist and it's just kind of like a model that we use to predict things or view real reality um, okay. a bottle that you're holding is local to the concept of a bottle um, so it's kind of about like uh, universal things are uh, universal principles 
apply to many things, but they're not super useful or specific. And local principles maybe are, they only apply to one thing, but they're hyper useful and specific. So saying men are taller than women or men are on average taller than women. That's very universal. It's definitely true, but it's not like super like uh, you can't like predict a bunch of stuff from it. You can't like predict individual cases from it. Um, it's definitely true, but it's also not like super applicable in individual circumstances. But uh, John is taller than Sally. That's useful in only one circumstance, but it's hyper useful. It's very hyper true, like in that one circumstance. Uh, so that's the difference between local and universal. Yeah, that was my best short explanation. Um, and now we're, we're just going to like kind of like talk about the way, like what you prefer, like when you're universal, when you're local, I don't know, that kind of thing. I, I feel like we had a good question that covered this well with Rosie, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, so I'll just try to make up a different Examples versus, versus principles or anecdotes versus principles. Yeah. Oh, when you're telling a story, oh, that kind of thing. When you're trying to make a point, how often... Or maybe how often is not the right word. Are you more likely to bring different principles into the conversation you're having, into the point you're trying to make? Or are you more likely to rely on anecdotes to prove your point for you? You believe something. Yeah. You, have, you have a claim. And now how do you, if yeah. you're trying to convince them of this claim, how do you convince them of it? What's your go-to? And do you tend to say because uh. of x and y or you just didn't yeah. say because of this principle or i think the principle route is something i would do a lot more often than mm. refer to anecdote yeah i like using principles i will say that tracks pretty well with our interview so far today um i think you've probably used like one anecdote this entire interview maybe two think about at this point how many anecdotes rosie had used when she was explaining things she had used like 12 at this point to oh. express herself like oh well they're like i'm just thinking of there was this one time like okay for example there's this it's like yeah and levi <laughs> hasn't done that at all like are you a good craftsman like are you generally good with your hands like when you do something physical average i'm not sure i think so but i don't have a lot of experience with that doing craftsman are you handy yeah. Like, are you a handy kind no. of guy? Do you learn how to use tools quick? You learn how to build things quickly? Um, probably right in between. I'm not. I'm not particularly handy. Mm -hmm. uh, Colby, how would you ask Meta versus Meso here? <sighs> Is a thing something other than the sum of its parts? <laughs> uh, That's not a very good question. It's not very conversational. No. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's good. See, Great. we got, Moving got on. what we wanted out of that one. No, <laughs> okay. let's let's try. Um, yep. I'll think. Okay. Well, before I ask this question, what is there anything like you like collecting? Is there anything that you any objects you enjoy talking about or <laughs> use or uh, collecting or having in your life? Like, I'll give an example. My dad loves cars and he likes BMWs. For example, uh, do you yeah. have anything like that that's an equivalent in your life? <clears throat> No, I can't think of anything like that. Uh, I I get into I have hobbies and stuff, but like I like music a lot. But I have like zero interest in learning about the best sort of guitars and or having a guitar collection or something that okay. doesn't interest me. Or I like running, but yeah, I don't really want a whole bunch of collection of running shoes. 
Do you have a strong connection to individual songs? Strong connection to individual songs mm-hmm. of like, song, like songs of other artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. How do you feel yeah, about remixes? <laughs> um, <laughs> how do I, that's interesting. Well, I've I've heard some good ones, but generally, um, remixes aren't as exciting as you know an original mm-hmm. song usually. Do you do you have any idea why why they would be less exciting? Is it because it's of quality, just, or is it, or is there something else to it? Um, it just seems less novel, uh, less inspired, more a little more produced. Maybe there's more work on the. I think when I think of a remix song, you know, it requires more technical work and less actual emoting and expression. Uh, is is my impression of remixed songs (laughs) okay 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 that makes sense that makes sense so i don't know remixes might be a bad example here and i might Mm. this might be me creating a leading statement or a leading question so from what i'm understanding you don't like remixes because they feel less special Uh, less genuine less genuine would that be accurate statement to make yeah that's i would yeah that's my gut feeling on remixes. Okay. Now, uh, now you how, how do you feel when you hear a remix for the first time? <laughs> I know I'm pushing this the... remix thing hard, but <laughs> you're, you're you're my guinea pig right now. I need to know if this is a good line of question for the next interview. I, I'm not familiar with a lot of remixes. I can't, I'm trying to think of ones that I have heard. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll say like I have friends that prefer remixes over the original and i have friends that don't care if a song's a remix and then i have friends that don't like remixes because they're remixes and then i have friends that just don't care uh do you would you fit into any of those four categories Uh, if anything maybe a little bit more in the just don't care section like i don't i don't dislike remixes just because they're remixes okay 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 um, I th- do you like describing and defining terms and being like communicating something very explicitly and well, and you're like, oh, we had a good conversation because we explicitly communicated things, <laughs> or are you more of like a viber? <laughs> Can you get across like, is conversation a tool or is it more of like an experience? And answer any or all of those questions, or don't at all. Oh, uh, I'm not. Don't really know. Is conversation a tool or an experience? Bit more, bit, bit more of the latter, I guess. It's an experience. I'm less interested in like maybe defining the specifics. Would you say it's true that sometimes conversation aren't about what's said? but about the bonding that occurs because of the conversation. Yeah, oftentimes I think that's true. I mean, I, I don't think people go around moving their mouths and making sounds constantly, primarily to to communicate information. I think I think there's a deeper meaning in, in conversation, which has more to do with connecting with another person. Yeah, I just realized that like six months ago. Instead of just relating data. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you did. You did realize it. Yeah, huh? I'm not. I'm. I'm still not a fan, but it's a sad truth. Congratulations. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Yeah, I haven't actually heard 
heard it put like that, but now that you ask it, yeah. So this is an interesting line of questioning because you are the first person we're interviewing that is half meza, half meta. So uh, it's that's why like that's why I'm being a little bit more experimental with the questions here because with Rosie she was full of meza, so it didn't really matter what we asked, we would expect uh, a meza answer from her. And then with Kenzie, she's full meta. So it didn't matter what we asked. We expected to be a meta answer. So like, like for example, it was like the music question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've expressed this to you, Colby, but I, I have a suspicion that music in particular and the way we respond to music is not so much taste in music, but our response and our use of music is very reliant on our social functions. And uh, at least based on what we typed you, you're, you're meta social. So we would expect you to have more of a meta point of view towards music. And so we, I would have expected you to not care too much about remixes because of that. Um, that's why when you were saying like, I do care, but it's because it's less original. I was like, okay, so he cares, but because of logically he cares, but does he care because he feels a visceral reaction against remixes i mean it probably has something to do with like that i'm a musician personally and i'm not interested in in that type of production myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but it's not because i have a vendetta against them (laughs) okay right 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 see if you were if you were fi heavy i not that i would expect you to have a vendetta against remixes but i (laughs) <laughs> I would guess that you would have a more emotional reaction. Your your reason for not liking I hate them so yeah, much. like your reason for not liking remixes would be a bit more <laughs> personal and emotional if you're FI. Yeah, like Sir Mix a lot. I can't stand that guy. I've never. I don't know what he does or who he is, but just the. That's name. the guy who wrote the "I Like Big Butts" song, right? I mean, that's a, is it? I think so. That sounds about right. It's a pretty good song. Yeah. Um. But he didn't remix that, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's one. Um, shoegazing music or techno? Shoegaze or techno? Uh, I mean, gee, both can be really annoying. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a big. I guess there's some bands I like that are categorized loosely in the shoegazing. Um, but in general, it's not my favorite. But techno, I like I like electronic music. But I don't know. I'm somewhere in between. I both are could be appealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, pop or shoegazing? <laughs> pop. I don't know. That's a these are broad, vague questions. Yeah, there's a there, for like, like a hundred years. There's been a consistent quality of pop, though, and that's what kind of what I'm getting at, I guess. However, it's also cool to hate pop. True. So, so it's a confounding variable. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, if we're talking about modern pop, then definitely I would lean towards the shoegazing. Um, the pop that I think of that I do like is like oldies, like Diana Ross, The Supremes. Not you know nothing like today's pop. Yeah, I just uh, I think um, pop is always kind of meta. Um, well, it's always um, discrete sounds so when music i try and ask questions about music because i believe that meta people will tend to enjoy music with discrete sounds more um like 
and mess of people will tend to enjoy music that phases in and out. So like discrete sounds would be like do 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 do. It starts suddenly and raises up to its hot, highest pitch and goes down to, and and then goes down to zero noise very quickly. While like so like meta would be like do 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 do, and mess would be like do. <laughs> No, really, like <laughs> yeah, we're right. gonna make that our new intro music for uh, for the podcast. Yeah, I think you guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not hard one versus the no, other. No, no, it's up for modern pop. I di- I dislike generally. That's the beauty of you being half meta and half meza is no matter what you answer, we can be like, ah, it makes sense. <laughs> ah, confirms our bias. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Either way. Uh, he's right in the middle. It makes sense. Meta and meza right in the <laughs> yeah. middle. He doesn't know. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> no, but seriously though, it's good answers. Good answers. Um, anything to add to meta versus meza here, Colby? Do you vibe? Not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that means. You know, <laughs> you just ever like, just vibe. You're asking me <laughs> if I party? <laughs> um. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, it's a joke question. I feel like messy, <laughs> okay, messy people okay, vibe good. more. How likely no, no, are like... you to be a hippie or a hipster, Levi? <laughs> Wait, is that one or the other, or or both, or I... both? You could be a hippie hipster. Oh. That's fine. Well, I guess I have judgmental feelings towards that idea, hipster. Why? Is that? I don't know why, but I don't. I'm not sure. Well, I think they're trying a little too hard, <laughs> probably. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I think hippie would be the opposite of that. Uh-huh. So I'd be a hippie before a hipster. They share a lot of letters they in do. those terms, but but they're very different. They are. <laughs> there are hipsters that are hippies, though. Or Hippies because they're hipster. They're hippies because it's hip. Okay, I'll stop now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, it's, I was just thinking about the question, but yeah. Prone versus supine. Uh, we've kind of gone over this, but maybe a, a nice rounding out of a question. How how dominant are you in social structures? Given a random group. Are you more or less likely to be the pack leader? You're put in a room with two strangers. How likely is it that you'll be the one that ends up in on the top of the social ladder? Uh, if it's so the smaller of a group it is, like if it's one on one, then I'll be I might have some tendency to be more dominant. Or if it's like people close immediate family. But otherwise it's the opposite for me generally like if it's a group of like people that have just met each other uh, in a group setting i'm much more tend to observe and sit back and just kind of be quiet okay makes sense makes sense uh, and that kind of fits with the old uh 50 right down the middle of agreeableness uh, mm. yeah that's good what do you mean observe do you like watching people? <laughs> Hold on. Like, I'm not a lawyer. That way. Do you <laughs> like, do you like what, people watching? What do you mean? What do I mean? Do you like, yeah, you like people watching. Let's like, not, let's say not watching people. 
Uh, I guess what I mean is like I'm in, I want to stay in the background. So I think I will have maybe ideas or I'll have thoughts or I'll be expressive with the direction maybe activities play out, but I'm not going to be like the one that jumps up and it's like, follow me, everyone, let's do this. I like, I don't know, an analogy that comes to mind is like, I'm not the, I wouldn't, my type wouldn't be like the, the leader, the king, it would be like the advisor who's <laughs> kind of next to him. It's kind of what ends up happening. That's the closest like analogy I can think of for social settings. You're usually the lieutenant in social hierarchies. The lieutenant. Yeah. I like, yeah, that might be the case. <laughs> okay. I like that uh, analogy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Riker. I'm like... Uh, Lieutenant Riker. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Number one. <laughs> uh, anything you want to add to this before we close out, Levi? Anything? Any like gaping holes in your psyche that you feel like we missed or that we misrepresented? No, not really. Um, I had questions in general, but like it feels like if 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 I, if we ever do this again, I would have a lot of or some questions to ask about the science in general and. But I, I, I should go back and listen to your first introductory podcast, maybe first, so you're not having to repeat yourselves. Uh-huh. No, we have, you know, we, we've got a few more minutes if there's anything in particular, and Alex can always just cut it out if it doesn't seem to fit with the je ne sais quoi of the original <laughs> episode, you know. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, I can cut anything I want. <laughs> so, like, just to back up and get a bigger overview, I'm a... I'm an NTJ. Is that is that right? An NFJ. Oh, an NFJ. Okay, NFJ. Uh, you tested as you were saying that you tested as an NTJ on in the books. Ah, uh, yeah. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. But, but it's really common F- for men to test yeah, as T. To test. It's really common for just anyone who's relatively F- smart to test as T. Unfortunately. Yeah. So so when you say um, Levi's an NFJ. That's, are you basing that off the big five or are you basing on that on my, on the face, on the face, your beautiful face, on the face. Yeah. 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 Okay. So on physiotype. So based on your science of physiotype, you both agree that I would be because of my features, uh, NFJ. Yeah. Because of your features. And And, well, now after this episode also because of our conversation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then does, does the big five. Does that also sort of track with NFJ as far as the data that that came out of? Sort of. Like, I don't think we have enough data to be able to um, to say just yet. I will say that your big five tracked with what I would have expected, mm. knowing of what NFJs are like. But okay. I don't have enough information to say, yeah, this matches with other NFJs because I don't think we've ha- we haven't had enough it NFJs. It doesn't translate. Test. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So what is the, like me not knowing really much about NFJ or the, the idea of them, what are they, what sets them apart? What's supposedly uh, makes them different or what are they, what roles are they better? I, I think we've said before, we'll say again, like typically they're the most quickly, most easily likable types, like because of they 
typically have pretty high social intelligence or typically are pretty agreeable, nice people. So like those things put together, like you'll find them in a lot of social settings. That's why when you said you were into marketing at first, I, I thought that was really interesting because you'll see NFJs <laughs> a lot in marketing. Um, oh, okay. And just anything where... Even, even INFJs? Yeah, even Cause... INFJs, especially if, if it's a kind of marketing where you're not doing a lot of like face-to-face social interaction, but you're still able to work your like social intelligence and, you know, pull the pull the strings that need to be pulled kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, even INFJs. Um, uh, you know, they're NI heavy, so typically much better at like storytelling, much better at like world building. Like a lot of authors are NFJs. Mm. A lot of uh, okay. A lot of directors, movie directors, are NFJs, like George Lucas, whatnot. Uh, that might be like uh, the yeah. single best phrase to explain NFJs: <clears throat> is world building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. Yeah, that kind of tracks with what I know about myself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you can imagine being a writer, right? Oh in yeah, I have I have an elaborate world built already for a, a kind of outline of a book i have that'll never write but i have the but it's there the world built yeah (laughs) it's there (laughs) and i i think most nfjs that i've talked to have expressed a similar thing um where like even if they don't ever plan to be a writer they they do have like a complete world uh built somewhere in their either in their heads or on their computer that's just waiting to be written if they ever get around to it um that's basically like the basics. Uh, like we were saying, Einstein was an NFJ, but the reason why we looked into Einstein was because it's somewhat unusual for NFJs to get into like the physics field, at least to devote that much time into the physics field. So hmm. uh, it's interesting. Um, I recommend the episode. I think it's one of our best ones yet. Um uh, <laughs> the Einstein, <laughs> yes, the Einstein one. Other than that, uh, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head. Hmm. Okay. Are there any other NFJs like that we know, Colby? Dad is an NFJ. Um. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh. But none you can think of. <laughs> this is great. Oh this yeah. This is dead air right now. Colby. There's just <laughs> you're making a whole Alex's jobs so <laughs> 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 much harder. <laughs> I can uh, I can pull some famous people if it if. if... <laughs> I was just curious if nothing. Barack Obama. We both know he's an NFJ. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Obama, George Lucas. Um. Okay. So and then when you. <clears throat> You're talking about Santa Claus when sure. you're Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus was probably oh, an NFJ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe. Okay, I like this. So I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard strong enough justifications. For we, Jesus. I mean, we, we, we don't really know what Jesus looked like. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's good not point. it's not high confidence. <laughs> Do you have any better guesses, Alex, on who Jesus, what type Jesus was? <laughs> I mean the the only the only thing that made every that like he was a nice guy and he told stories so he, I, like other than that what what justification is there for NFJ? Well, he's a spiritual leader. That's pretty good for NFJ. <laughs> oh, I is guess. it? 
he wasn't Socrates or Aristotle. He was Jesus Christ. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I I I need some more convincing. I think for Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I don't have an alternative. I just I'm not convinced with this one. <laughs> so why do you uh, why do you emphasize the last three letters and not like E and I? Just because we don't feel like E and I. While they are real, measurable things, I, we don't feel like they affect what we're looking for when we say personality type a lot. Yeah, and to to be more specific, uh, in MBTI, when you change the first letter to I or E or E or I, um, you will switch the position of the first two functions, Oh, and you'll switch the functions. position of, of the third and the fourth function. <clears throat> and we just disagree that changing the letter actually changes the strength of any functions. It does. It is indicative of introverted and extroverted, but it doesn't seem to actually change um, the power of the other functions. So it just, it's not a big deal. It seems like. Thanks for listening in guys. Uh, a couple announcements. First off, as you may or may not know, we have an Instagram account now. So, if you guys are interested in uh, seeing us in a slightly more casual setting, taking a look at celebrities, stuff like that, uh, definitely check it out. Also, uh, for a limited time, we will be typing people that are requested by our followers. So, if you want someone typed, either DM us a picture of them or uh, tag us in one of their photos. Uh, Or a photo of them. Whatever. You know what I mean. Anyways, uh, second announcement... We are moving our blog, or at least we're duplicating our blog, and we'll be adding more stuff to our own website. We're moving the blog over from the metrocast.fm website to its own domain. So if you want to find out more information, you go to physiotype.com instead of metrocast.fm slash physiotype dash blogs whatever 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 it's just simple easy physiotype.com uh yeah check it out bookmark us uh read the stuff colby's got a bunch of stuff written on there i've got a bunch of stuff on there check it out anyways uh again thanks for listening guys we will see you next week